Welcome to the Respectful Divorce Podcast, brought to you by Collaborative Practice Silicon Valley. I'm Tim Crouch, and on today's podcast, we're talking with collaborative divorce professionals in the Silicon Valley area from the three disciplines in the collaborative divorce process. Nancy Ross is with us today. She is a mental health professional, a divorce coach, and even a child specialist. Uh, John Duffy is a financial professional, and George Richardson is a collaborative attorney. Thank you, all three of you, for joining us today. Pleased to be here. So let's begin with with a really simple question uh, from each of your perspectives. What is collaborative divorce and why does it matter? For me, it's a team of professionals who are focused on the welfare of a family as it's making the transition from a um, nuclear family to a, if you will, binuclear family or a family with two homes and working to protect the children in that transition and supporting the parents in finding ways to meet their respective needs with a respectful and civil manner. So I see it as much the way George does. I see it as families are scared, they're uncertain. I think divorce is right up there with every stressor like death. And it's really bring so many changes to families that I can't imagine doing it without getting the kind of support with from professionals that collaborative divorce offers. And, and John, as a financial professional, what is it that appeals to you about this process and, uh, and brought you into this area? Well, it really is that team approach to divorce. Um, you know, as a financial professional, yes, I'm there to deal with numbers, but really at the heart of this is our multiple lives um, that that are going to continue on. This family now is going to be different going forward than it is at the moment. And it's really important for me as, as a father of four, as, as a husband, that everybody has an opportunity to move forward in the best way possible. Um, litigation and family law courts are very contentious. They often can create conflict where maybe minimal to no conflict previously existed. And this is an opportunity to really try to solve a problem for a family uh, in a way that is respectful and in a way that does encourage uh, future communication and growth together, even as they separate. George and Nancy, you all have been a part of this uh, since the early days. How have you seen collaborative uh, and the collaborative process change uh, during that time? Oh, <laughs> I, love I don't know because it's it's been nothing but change. It's um, as a professional, one of the exciting things is to be in something which is as dynamic as the process is, but. Nancy can attest, uh, and will I suspect attest that when we first started this, it was just lawyers who were sort of saying, okay, this sounds like a really good idea and um, opened up the idea with the people they're working with of uh, being more free in expressing what their concerns were and in working towards a resolution. And then the lawyers suddenly discovered, oh my gosh, people are actually doing that and they are opening up and they're sharing what's important to them. And we didn't know what to do because we're so used to being in a control position and sort of taking the, the yellow pad and the notes and saying, here's 
what you need to be thinking. And all of a sudden, we're now listening to what they actually are thinking. And we desperately needed the help of Nancy to train us to listen and to uh, um, to expedite the um, ability of the people we're working with to um, to express themselves in a way that could be heard and um, and effective. Nancy, how difficult was it to train lawyers to listen to you? I can tell you initially that lots of resistance, but we agree. I agree with George. Honestly, when it came to couples communication and children being involved and really listening to them and getting their feedback and the financial, which is just absolutely essential to to have people not only reduce their cost in this process, but to really get educated along the way. So we envisioned a team. And I think one of the changes that has happened as time has gone on we work more closely as a team so the clients can feel that support. In fact, at some point, I'd like to talk about what it's like for a client to meet with just the lawyer and the mental health and have their own little pod, as we call it, mm -hmm. to be supportive and help them through the process. And that didn't exist initially. Yeah. The other thing that didn't exist at the front end was um, the role of the financial specialist. We were blessed to have a financial professional, Kathy Daigle, who um, came to our meetings and said, you know, you lawyers really don't understand the economics of what's going on. Or maybe you have some number uh, idea of the numbers, but you really don't understand how that all works out in terms of what this family needs to have going forward. And so they brought, uh, she brought, and now John is involved with that, bringing forth the, um, role of the financial and, and um, it's become very central. In fact, they often are the center of, of our meetings. John, maybe you could amplify that. Well, I think at the, at the heart of, of any divorce, there, there is a lot of fear and uncertainty. Um, one of the issues that's big is around, you know, how are, how are the kids going to handle this and, and what do we say to them and what's this going to look like going forward? And another part of it is, we're separating now. What does that mean for us individually and as a, you know, as, as a separated family from a financial standpoint? And so really bringing some clarity to some objective numbers um, to help people understand these are the resources there are to deal with. You're spending a lot less to, to fight over items. And so you're going to be retaining a lot more of it. And, and let's talk about what it is that you truly want and, and why you want that the home, the retirement accounts, whatever that may be, there people often have different priorities for them depending on their stage of life. And this is an opportunity to really illustrate for them what, what they can expect the future to look like, um, to really bring some, some clarity and through projections to understand what their future is going to look like and reassure them that it's, it's, it's not as bad as they are imagining in their head. A lot of people kind of spin out in a way when they don't know what the answers are. And so this is an opportunity to really provide that clarity for them. One of the things that's always intrigued me the most about the role of the financial professional is sort of the modeling that you do for different types of budgets and, and what your financial uh, outlook might be after the divorce. How do you go about that? 
Well, it's very different than the traditional financial advisor role. Um, working with a financial neutral through a collaborative divorce, it's a very specialized role. Um, projections are an important part of it. Um, we're, we're taking a look at the income and expenses of each individual, um, the assets and, and debts there are to, to divide in a way that hopefully make everybody comfortable moving forward. Um, taxes are an incredibly important part of the picture, and, and that's where a lot of our analysis is really focused um, to help each individual understand how am I doing now that I'm on my own income, these are my expenses, and I've got to pay taxes on it. Am I still able to make it? Um, or do I need to make some lifestyle changes or other considerations to help me through that? Nancy, you're uh, uh, an advocate for the role of the child specialist, and that was kind of a, a later addition, wasn't it, to, the, to this process? No, it actually wasn't, because um, when we put the model together, one of the concerns was what happens to children or even parents in the court system when they are each parent is being evaluated, um, which of course is never ever helpful. And so one of our, my colleagues, Dr. Peggy Thompson and her husband, Rod Nurse, were doing psych evaluations in the court system and totally disillusioned with it. So when we put it together, our challenge was, how do we give children a voice and keep them out of the middle of the parents' conflict? And so we gave so much thought to protecting children while bringing their voices in. And it's really been, to me, it's one of my most favorite roles on the team is a child specialist and the difference it makes when a child specialist comes in and says, here's what your child is actually saying. This is their experience. Because they're, you know, they don't want to talk to parents and cause more problems and they don't want to hurt their feelings. And they're not sure that if they speak up, it might not make things worse. So parents give them a place where they can just talk freely. And then that information is brought back so the parents can be pulled in as part of the team of parents and child to work together. How, how, have, how have you seen parents react when they sort of hear some of those things from the child specialist? I have seen parents be so grateful. And I have almost never seen parents really react negatively because they're not being judged. They're being supported. Uh, one of my colleagues once said that the court system is exploiting weaknesses and negativity, and that what we do is support strengths and relationships. And I think that kind of says it, that that's really true. And so parents may hear, you know, they may hear, oh, your, your daughter is having a hard time with this. She doesn't really want to go to her father's house. So the dad may, he already knows this. And I haven't heard parents hear anything new. But what the coaches do, because we're present in the meeting where they get the information, is we help them hear it and make sense of it and then work with it 
and give them tools so they really help their child through this tough time. Let me offer a, a real life example of that, Missy. Uh, this was some years ago and working with a family um, and a child specialist, which I always think of as the voice of the children. It's how the children are really brought into, into the process without um, disturbing their uh, peace of mind. And um, we were working in the manner and the person who had been acting as the child specialist um, was basically bringing to the family, to the parents, that what the kids were saying to them was they just want these people, their parents, to stop squabbling. Uh Just to stop squabbling. And they had been doing nothing but squabbling in the negotiations, in the meetings. And that changed the whole atmosphere of the conversation. And the case settled in a satisfactory way within the next you know month and a half. Um, and it was because of the power of the children's voices being heard by the parents and understanding what they were doing to their kids in a very visceral way. They really got it. I've had a similar experience from the financial standpoint as well, where where reminding the parents that this is about the children and, and the family can really recenter them uh, into a productive conversation where they may have been starting to squabble or have been out of control a little bit or fall into old behavioral patterns where they're kind of picking on each other. That reminder that at the heart of this is is going to affect your kids um, really helps bring them back to the table and uh, help them make some progress. George, we've been we've been talking a lot about the role of the specialist. So what do the attorneys do? <laughs> well, I sometimes wonder that myself a little bit uh, because we have such wonderful uh, professionals that are handling so many of the challenges in the divorce process. The lawyers are essential, however, because they're the ones that ultimately are going to synthesize the ideas, put them down in paper, and um, create the documentation that actually reflects the agreements that are being made. Uh, my experience with um, with the um, coaches and with the financial person is that, that um, they have a less um, precise use of language, shall we say. And a lot of times we have to create a document that if push comes to shove, could be enforced by a court. Because when we're finished with the process, we're going to have a document which is as enforceable as a judgment that's acquired after um, the most heavily litigated matter you could ever have. So you're going to have a fully enforceable document that needs to be clear that a third party looking at it, a judge or another decision maker, can look at and understand what is the intent of the family, the uh, mom and dad, uh, in the um, decisions that they've made and are those articulated in a manner that the court, if necessary, can understand and enforce. So we bring our training with respect to that. We also, a lot of us are former litigators or are litigators, and um, we have a lot of training and analysis of what's being said and what's behind it. And we bring that with us uh, without the sharp corners. So we bring that, we don't abandon our knowledge, we just are using it in an entirely different way. Uh, So we bring all of this analytic skills and the drafting skills uh, to the table. And um, so if you will, put it all together. 
And I think one of the things we haven't touched on that's a really a key component is that, that if you enter the collaborative process, you make a commitment not to go to court, not just the clients, but but the attorneys as well. Yes, indeed. Um, we will not go to court. We sign a document to that effect. And um, while we can't keep um, the parents or the, the folks that are having the dispute from going to court, nor would we, if it, if, uh, we even if we wanted to, um, if that's what they had to do to have a third party make the decision, they're welcome to do that. We hope they won't. It rarely happens. Uh, and when it happens, we do not fall into the court with them. None of the people who are the professionals who are working with the family will go to court um, to assist in the decision making. You know, but having said that, the few times it has happened, we've often resolved a number of questions, and there's just one question that may still need to be resolved. And so there's still a huge cost saving because a lot of the stuff that would need to be addressed by the court has already been addressed by the, the people involved. They've made their decisions and they just can't reach an agreement on one or two critical elements. George Richardson, Nancy Ross, and uh, John Duffy, thank you for joining us for the Respectful Divorce Podcast today. If you'd like to learn more about a collaborative divorce, you can go to the Collaborative Practice Silicon Valley's website, which is nocourt.org. That link will be in the show, no show notes. This is Tim Crouch reminding you that collaborative divorce is a better way to untie the knot.